McPherson sitting in for John Gormley on this Monday morning. And it's back to the carbon tax because all eyes turn to Ottawa now for the vote on whether they will extend that exemption for home heating from just the Atlantic provinces where it applies only to oil-heated homes to all Canadians who heat their homes during the winter months. I suspect that's everybody. We opened the show with Carla Beck, the leader of the Saskatchewan NDP, because it was actually unanimous in Saskatchewan's legislature last week as all of our MLAs got together and called on Ottawa to expand that exemption so that it would include the vast, vast majority of homes in Saskatchewan and actually the vast, vast majority of homes across Canada which use natural gas to keep us warm in the coming winter months. The Conservatives introduced a motion. They are it, It's going to be non-binding, but it does call on the government to do exactly that, to extend that exemption to all Canadians. Joining us now is Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Blacklock's Reporter, keeping a close eye on all things House of Commons related. Uh, good morning, Tom. Is the vote still set for this afternoon, and what is at stake here for the Trudeau Liberals? Uh, as you mentioned, it is a 3.30 Eastern time, give or take. It'll be after question period, but if you mark your clock, so that would be uh, 2.30 uh, Saskatchewan time. Uh, it is non-binding, as you mentioned, Taylor, but has maximum embarrassment. There's nothing to win here because Cabinet wants, they're going to whip the vote. They want all their members to vote against this. So now you're voting against a tax break on home heating. As you mentioned, vast majority of Canadians use natural gas. Canadian Gas Association says the typical user in our country uses about 23, 2400 cubic meters a year. So that comes in about $280 carbon tax. Cut it, says the motion. But cabinet can't because the bottom's already come out the bathtub on their whole climate change program. It's a real Hobson's choice for cabinet. It really is. The the uh, admission when he first made this announcement about the oil home heating exemption was from Trudeau. He said, for the first time, really, the carbon tax is contributing to affordability issues. And for the longest time, it was, don't worry, you get more money out of the carbon tax than you'd ever put in. This is a pretty staggering reversal, wasn't it, Tom? Absolutely, but it was this was affordability issues for electors who voted in 24 Atlantic Liberal MPs. That's the difference. Everyone knows that. 24. That's crucial, Taylor. They can't lose those seats. They have nowhere else to pick those up. Even if there's an election of 2025, no one can predict the future. They they have no room to spare. It's a minority parliament. Everyone knows that. I'll tell you about this business about the rebate. They have been chewing that bone for years. It doesn't matter how many times people look at it, how many senators in Senate National Finance Committee have said that doesn't even make sense. How do you make money paying a tax? So we uh, we asked. I took the Steve Gibo challenge. I encourage you to try. I saved the years where the carbon tax receipts. Home heating, no problem. Every time you put a gallon of gas in the car, I save the paper. And at the end of the year, I went through my big pile of paper, and I took the Gibo challenge. I'm going to see if I paid less than I got in rebates. And guess what happens? You hit the corner where you start looking at charges like groceries. And so I asked the Minister of Natural Resources, Wilkinson, 
what's the carbon tax on a $4 loaf of bread or a bag of oranges? Oh, no, well, well, well. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to look at the overall average divided by 40 million, et cetera. So it becomes pretty low math. What's the takeaway? If they can't prove that I, how much money I pay in carbon tax, me and 40 million others, how do they know that we pay less than we get in rebates? They, they don't. That's the point. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of people in rural Saskatchewan who have been taking that Kibo challenge. We often get them texting in some of their numbers. There's a lot of people who are pretty good with their finances and pretty good at keeping receipts and are not too hot on the carbon tax. Tom Korski is with us, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter in Ottawa. This debate got pretty heated last week, Tom. It even escalated to talk of a carbon tax election. A lot of people in Saskatchewan would be pretty thrilled to to head to the polls for a carbon tax election. Is this something Trudeau's really confident that he could survive? No, but you know what's interesting about that? That's now on the table. And you know how that is in politics. It's not sudden death over time. It's an accumulation of pluses or minuses, and that's on the table. I can tell you just today, in Commons Health Committee, completely unrelated matter. What are Liberal MPs talking about? The next election. It's out there. (laughs) Halloween came late, and there is this nightmare specter that with the cost of living and inflation and everyone's standard of living and the worries, and people can't go to a grocery store without getting angry, and you want to go to the polls on that, that's why they, they cannot lose those 24 liberal seats in Atlantic Canada. They can't do it, Taylor. They have no room to maneuver. All right, Tom, earlier this morning, I was kind of postulating and speculating about, you know, what if Trudeau had just cut natural gas? Would I really be concerned about the people in Atlantic Canada who use oil to heat their homes? Sadly, the answer is probably not. How is this playing out in Atlantic Canada, where where they are getting the, the break on carbon tax? Are they feeling the kind of unfairness of this, or is this, hey, just gifts from on high from the Trudeau government? I'll head back and vote for them again next time. Well, this is, those are two questions. They're capitalists, too. If you can save $280 on carbon tax, who's going to turn that down? That doesn't mean you're going to turn around and vote for them. Hmm. There have been many examples where vote buying doesn't work. But we saw with the also, for instance, the gun buyback program. They dropped that dead. That's because of Atlantic Canada. A lot of the issues are there's a lot of commonality with people in Saskatchewan or my home province, Manitoba, and Atlantic Canada. The difference was they elected 24 Liberal MPs. Taylor, the chickens come home to roost on the carbon tax program, though, because it was always built on a myth. Number one myth was it would never increase above $50 a ton, the equivalent of 12 cents a liter of gasoline. Cabinet promised they broke the promise. And then it was the myth that this is somehow this crazy tax where you make money the more you spend. And now we know that isn't true. Parliamentary Budget Office has dispelled that myth numerous times. So what's left? Well, emissions have to go down. And guess what? They're not going down. So what was the point? These are the questions. These are the hallmark questions that governments eight years in office start to ask when, as Louis Saint Laurent once said, sometimes they just get tired of having you around. They're in a tight spot, Taylor. 
It's going to be an uphill fight for the Trudeau Liberals in the next election. Whenever that comes, the carbon tax is definitely going to be a hot-button issue there. Tom Korski is with us, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter. He's in Ottawa this morning as we gear up for this big vote in the House of Commons. I'm hearing, Tom, that the NDP are going to vote with the Conservatives on this one. Does that put Jagmeet Singh in a difficult position between propping up the Liberals on one hand and voting against them on the other? No, no one, no one who's, no one who's interested in sticking around, is going to vote to keep a carbon tax on home heating in a subarctic climate. You would have to have, you'd be out of your mind. The NU, NU Democrats, as you mentioned, have already pledged that they will put their votes up with a conservative motion. Some Quebec members is a question mark. Although people I know on the block, or there's a couple of them, you know. They tell you what what advantage do they see in perpetuating this parliament? They could care less. If, that, if that's a tough spot for Trudeau, tough luck, Charlie. So this ultimately comes down to the votes of the Bloc Québécois from a province that has its own cap and trade system, totally separate from Canada's federal carbon tax. And God bless them with amazing hydroelectric power. <laughs> it's always great to look profound when God created the James Bay hydroelectric scheme, just like British Columbia. How many times you heard, no, no, B.C. has a climate change program. Look at the success. You know what? It wasn't the B.C. legislature that put the Columbia River there. God <laughs> did that. So it, it, it's always, you know, <laughs> virtue, pacifism is no virtue in the toothless, they always say. And, and being a climate changer is no virtue when you have hydroelectric power. Apparently, millions don't have a choice, but, you know, they get to keep the lights on, too, and they have to drive all the way to work, not halfway to work. Yeesh. Tom Korski is with us from Blacklock's Reporter in Ottawa. Before I let you go here, Tom, I need a prediction. Do you think this passes? And if it does, what are the effects? I think it does pass. I think it's embarrassing. I think Cabinet doesn't want to talk about the next scheduled increase in the carbon tax in April 1st, 2024. And I think you will get an election next year, Taylor, not 2025. I think the wheels are off the bus. You, you can just tell when it, you know, when it starts to come apart at the seams. I think we're there. Interesting. A bold prediction there. And we're going to have to have you back on, regardless of whether it comes true or not. Thank you so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. Tom Korski, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter, regular on this show, one of my favorite guests in the whole world. What do you think on this one? Is this going to be enough to force an election? Are we going to see a carbon tax election in Canada? one 332 8255 Give me a call, give me a text, and let me know what you're thinking on this one. We're back with more right after this on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We've been talking about captive wildlife a little bit this morning because tomorrow the guy who is allegedly keeping zebras illegally is going to be making a court appearance in Indian Head Provincial Court. Yeah, those zebras are currently at the Forestry Farm Park and Zoo in Saskatoon. Pete and Craven texts in and he says things could be worse. El Chapo's hippos in Colombia have settled in quite comfortably, and last I heard, the herd was over 50 in number, creating all kinds of havoc. They were released when El Chapo was killed, and they've become a large tourist attraction, and apparently nobody knows what to do with them. Yes, I've heard about these hippos in Colombia. 
I I thought it went back further than El Chapo, though. I thought they were like Pablo Escobar's hippos. But there are, in fact, hippos imported by some cocaine kingpin in Colombia and essentially released in the wild. And they are, in fact, doing okay. Pete says, uh, last I heard, they were tearing up the neighborhood to smithereens and breeding like rabbits. Very large, very angry rabbits. Yeah, I mean, we laugh about it, but hippos are like, if there's one animal that I'm not messing with, it's a hippo. Like, they are absolutely deadly. They give absolutely no Fs. They will destroy you just for fun, and then they'll come after your family, too. That's how evil hippos really are. So, yeah, it's kind of scary that you can run into hippos, like, on a different continent than the one that they live on. Like, at least if you're going into hippo territory, you can be somewhat prepared. By the way, run uphill. That's the only advice you can give for surviving a hippo is they're really bad at going up any kind of hill. They are faster than you both on land and in the water. But if you go uphill, that's basically your only chance to survive. All right, back to the carbon tax, because this vote is coming up pretty shortly, just a couple of hours. Uh, James says, so what are the liberals going to learn about carbon pricing? Well, the NDP won't vote with them, but the bloc will. So what the heck is the point? I mean, the point is to keep fighting the good fight, James. one 332 8255 Randy from Griffin says, The whole deal with giving the Maritimes special treatment, it goes back to the federal government's policies about bringing in offshore oil for the eastern Canadians instead of, you know, pipelining our natural gas and oil off east. Maybe Irving Oil can pay the rebates. Just another prime example of how the West has been screwed by our federal government over many, many years, says Randy, who texts in from Griffin, Saskatchewan. Steve from Regina needs help. He says, please help me out on the carbon tax. Where does the tax collected go, and how does this reduce carbon emissions? Steve from Regina, I can't tell you that. I, can't, I don't have the answers. What I suggest you do, Steve is you write to the Prime Minister's office and you ask Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to help you out on the carbon tax because I don't know where it goes or how it turns into more money and comes back to me or when my check is going to be arriving. I don't have any of the answers on the carbon tax. Oh, and uh, unsigned text here says, what if Saskatchewan just all pretended to be liberals for one election? Let's just all vote for Trudeau one time, and then suddenly we'll see Sask Energy getting big exemptions for the carbon tax carved out. Uh, maybe a good idea, but our elections in, in Canada are so close. I don't think you want to necessarily, like, ironically vote for another party. The dumber things have happened. one 332 8255 James in Saskatoon, you're thinking that this might be the end for Trudeau, this latest carbon tax fight? I do believe so. It, it, it becomes an unraveling of the Liberal Party, as Tom had suggested, right? And that's, that's the issue that ends up falling. And with uh, Justin Trudeau being a fan of theater... Um, he he he's going to love the idea of him going for a walk in the snow on February 29th as well, <laughs> and coming to the realization, right? And so, what will end up happening is is it, you know the gig is up at the end of the day, right? Because uh, Justin Trudeau and the Liberals were all about the no money miracle, right? Because all of a sudden, 
we were going to have these unicorn money uh, come out of nowhere, Taylor, and it never made any sense. Many people, uh, most people understood it for what it was. How many times have we seen and heard and read Brad Wall give dissertations on the whole idea of if you're going to take tax from me, why do I need to get it back? Why can't I just hold on to it in the first place? Right. It's, a, it's a really good point, and it's an argument that's been made since before the carbon tax even became law here in Canada. That's James in Saskatoon. And, you know, Brad Wall often makes the, makes the point, it's, and he makes it so well. If you're taking away my money and then giving it back to me, why don't I just hang on to it and we can cut out the middleman? And I'm not sure that this is going to sink Trudeau. I kind of want it to. It would be funny, and I often root for the funnier example or the funnier possible outcome in federal politics, but this is a guy who survived a blackface scandal during an election. Multiple photos of him wearing blackface came out. He'd for years positioned himself as the anti-racist equality crusader. Photos come out of him doing exactly the opposite, and he still won the election. I just don't know. Maybe you do. one 332 8255 News is next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.